Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Hannah Weaver is an ASE certified master technician with her A9 diesel certification and L1 advanced engine performance certification. She graduated from Sinclair Community College in 2017 with an associate's in automotive technology. She also has her bachelor's of applied management from Ohio University and is currently working on her master's of education at Wright State University. Hannah is now a teaching lab technician in the automotive department at Sinclair, where she originally got her associates. And at 25 years old, she is not only the youngest member of the department, but the first woman to ever teach the program there. Hannah has also worked as a diesel technician for Cocosin Construction, where she worked on their fleet of semi-tractor trailers. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Hannah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I love that we were able to connect and how we found you is a really fun story. Somebody from our team had reposted an article about you, I think on our LinkedIn page or something like that. And then one of your friends saw it and told you about it. And then we connected through that. And now we get to have you on the show. Yeah. So actually, it's kind of crazy because I got a message on my LinkedIn from a lady that teaches in Marysville in an automotive high school. And I had never met her before. And she's like, Hey, like I saw your name on Hazard Girls podcast, like on my feed. She's like, I would love for you to come talk at our school. Like, so that was a connection I was able to make. And I went and talked to her class and that was super fun. So then I reached out to you guys and I was like, Hey, I didn't know you guys like knew who I was. That's so cool. Like, it's just kind of a small world. It is a small community. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's why it works so well, you know, because we're, we're very close knit. Absolutely. I agree. Us Hazard Girls. (laughs) Well, you grew up in automotive tech. Your father was a diesel technician, right? So I actually kind of started when my dad was a kid. My grandpa was a operator for the union. So he ran equipment and then we just kind of, my dad maintained it for him and they kind of learned as they went. And then my dad went to Nashville Auto Diesel College and then he worked at Caterpillar Equipment and he worked on cranes and dozers and then moved into Cozing Construction where he works on cranes and dozers and everything too big and he works outside and that's not life for me. But yeah, I kind of grew up around it and really just kind of learned the passion from them. That's so great. And I think a lot of dads and probably grandpas don't really pass that love of, you know, getting your hands dirty and trades and, you know, technical things to their daughters. A lot of times they just figure, you know, they pass it on to their sons or they just figure daughters have other interests and they don't bother with it. But that doesn't seem like the case with your family. Nope, not at all. So I actually have an older brother and he was just not interested in it at all. Like he's a very creative, like artistic mindset, which is awesome, but it's not me. Mm -hmm. And so me and my little sister actually always followed dad around and kind of did everything that he did because we were just wanted to stay busy. And so yeah, it kind of worked out well. Yeah, I think it's such a good message to send to dads, like especially dads who have little kids you know, that you should be teaching, you know, you should be spreading that love and teaching them everything you can, because you never know where it's going to lead. It can lead to an amazing career one day, or, you know, even just give them the confidence to start pursuing things like that. Yes, absolutely. Well, you also mentioned that your father never let you girls, I guess it was you and your sister, shy away from a project. And 
Does that mean like he would encourage you to try new things with cars? Yeah. So actually it was just everything. So dad always told us like we have more time than money. So if something broke or something need fixed, we were there to help him. So my brother's a lot older than us. So we were the help that he had at the time of me growing up. So one of the projects that we did is we always made, this is so kind of like redneck, but we made our own beds. Like we got to design what we wanted to do. So like one year, my little sister designed a loft bed, but if she wanted it, she had to help dad cut the wood, measure everything out. So then she helped him build it. And I did one that went up and down and figured out how to do all that. Anytime the furnace went out or the HVAC stopped working, like we were in the cross space with dad working on stuff. If something, one of our cars went down, we were outside helping dad, like getting tools out of the service truck, like doing stuff with them. So I don't know if it was more of he needed help because he never really needed us, but I think he just wanted us to know how to do things on our own, which is so nice because now that I'm an adult, I like appreciate that. But when I was a kid, I was just like, oh, dad, I don't want to work. Like, I just want to go play. (laughs) Well, he gave you a great gift. That's really awesome. So you got your associate's degree at Sinclair. Then you got your bachelor's and you landed this job as the first woman teaching lab technician at Sinclair Community College. So, I mean, it seems like you have your hands full of the full-time job. Why did you decide to keep going and pursue your master's? Yeah, so I am definitely a busybody. I get really anxious if I'm not doing a lot. So I think that is part of the reason I just like to stay busy. But eventually I would like to be a tenure track faculty here. In order to make that happen, they require a master's degree. So it's just kind of like along the plans of like wanting to move up and have a bigger influence and being like a long-term part of this program. So nice. And actually, fun fact about Sinclair, it's actually the oldest automotive school in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was started in 1906. So it's just kind of cool to be a part of something like so historic and like in downtown Dayton, it used to be like the GM plant and it's just a big automotive town. And so we're just, I'm super lucky to be here and I just love to be part of it. So finishing my master's will kind of hopefully give me a step in the right direction to be a part of this long term. Yeah, and it sounds like you're in the right places. Does Dayton have like a museum about automotive history? I know we have the Packard Museum, which has a lot of old cars, but I'm not sure if we have anything other than that. I'm like, in my head, I'm like planning a trip to Dayton because I'm in Pennsylvania. It's not that far. No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, relatively speaking, right? Yeah. Well, you were working on diesel trucks as a technician for a construction company before you started teaching. And I mean, that's some hands-on work. I'm just wondering, what was it like moving from that shop setting as a technician into the more professional atmosphere and setting of education teaching? Yeah, so absolutely, it is very different. I actually started in a parts store before I came to school for automotive. And so even going from there to the shop was a lot different. A shop setting is unprofessional, I guess, in the sense. Different, different kind of professional. I definitely have a potty mouth. I cuss (laughs) a lot more than I should. When you're working on projects and things that are really big, you get angry a lot of the times. And I took a lot of crap from a lot of people who didn't think I could do things. So that was part of it. Now I'm in the school. It's kind of just getting used to the people here and like, they do respect me. They do want to hear me say things. So just kind of clean up my language and being more like less aggressive and defensive about things. So that has definitely been a big transition. But and there's a lot more people in the school setting. When I was in the shop, I usually worked alone. You just kind of have your bay and your project and your toolbox and you just kind of work out of it. And there's coworkers there you talk to throughout the day. But at school, it's obviously very hands on with the students and I co-teach a lot. So all of that is just kind of like learning how to be a part of a team. That's interesting what you said about you when you were working like in the shops, it was a lot of potty language and more, but more aggression a little bit. 
Do you think that that kind of aggressive atmosphere went away because it was more of an educational setting? Or do you think you're just in a better, like, I don't want to say better, but a different, maybe just like a more friendly environment? Because I don't know. I'm just thinking, I know plenty of offices where they may are quote unquote professional, where there's a lot of aggression because the people just are, that's just the culture. Yeah. So unfortunately in automotive, there isn't like a good standard. So pay is very up and down wherever you go. And in the automotive world, you have this thing called flat rate pay, Mm -hmm. which means that you could do a break job and it pays three hours. But if you do it in one hour, you still get paid for three hours. Mm-hmm. That's what we call gravy work. However, you can also get an electrical problem that you have to diagnose and fix, and it could pay two hours and it could take you two days and mm-hmm. you still only get paid two hours. So there's a lot of competition between how work gets divvied up because some service managers will give their favorite techs the gravy work and then the people they don't are people starting out like the harder stuff or vice versa. And so it's just kind of an unfair market. And unfortunately, there's not a lot down the road that they can really do to fix that unless they just do hourly pay. But it's just a very competitive market, especially because like I said, you're working by yourself. There's only so much work that comes in the door or there's too much work that comes in the door and you can't keep up. It's just very aggressive and very competitive, especially when you're starting out because you don't know where you stand. You're trying to earn the respect of everybody. You might not have all the tools that you need yet. So if you have to borrow something, then that's not good. Just a very competitive market. Do you think it's also competitive in like the academic setting, but just maybe in a different way? Like it's shown in a different way? Yeah, absolutely. So it's different at the school because we're here because we get paid. It's a job, but we're not here to make money in the sense that like, if I do more than the other person, I'm not going to get paid more or less. We're definitely here for the students and the students can see that. And so it's less competitive. We all have the same goal here. It's we're all working together versus working for ourselves and only our families. Right. It's a common mission. Yes. So when you were, you know, in these tech jobs, I guess tech jobs makes it sound a little different, but technician jobs, these hands-on jobs, you were probably one of the only women, if I'm guessing right. You know, how did you learn to build up your confidence when nobody else around you looked like you? Yeah. So the first shop I worked at was a mom and pa shop called Absolute Automotive in Troy. I was the only female tech there. I was very not confident. I actually got that job because I used to deliver parts to them. And the owner just like, I was talking to him and told him I wanted to go to school for it. And he's like, why don't you work for us? Like, we love your personality. Like, we have a good time with you. Like, you're smart. You know, you're engaged. I was like, that would be awesome. So there was one tech there who really was so good to me and took me under his wing and taught me how to read live data from a scan tool and do all those things. And then there was another tech there who was older and really did not like me being there, was not comfortable with me was always trying to put me down and make me feel silly for going to school. And I remember one day I was doing tires and I wasn't doing them very fast because they were on a truck and I wasn't used to it. I remember not being able to get a tire to seat on the wheel. And I remember crying at the tire machine, trying to just like hold it together. And I got it done and Alex was like, see, you can do it. You just had to struggle with it. And so sometimes you just realize you got to struggle for a little bit. And unfortunately, confidence just comes with humility at the same time. So... Yeah. Do you think at the time, you were probably very young at the time, you're 25 now, so you must have been in your very early 20s, probably. So when you were doing that and encountering kind of like some resistance, do you think you were aware of it as like a sexism thing? Or did you kind of like think it was your own fault? I think I was more worried along the lines of just being so young and not having the knowledge and experience that they had. 
Because even though I had worked in the shop with dad and grandpa, we didn't have a tire machine. We didn't have like little things like that. So I had more of the advantage of thinking down the road and thinking diagnostically. Mm -hmm. But when you first start out, you do oil changes and tires and alignments and things that I hadn't gotten to do because we didn't have that equipment. So I was, at the time, I think I was more worried about being young and inexperienced than I was at being a girl. Yeah. Yeah. I think like for me, when I was going through stuff like that early on in, in law, like I just assumed it was age too. And then like looking back, I'm like, I wonder <laughs> some of those incidents had something else to do with, you know, gender had something to do with it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now I know one of your goals, like probably one of your biggest goals is to share with young women and, you know, women who might be interested in getting into these industries all about, you know, automotive as an industry and how they can get into it and to help them build their confidence and get over some of their fears, ease their fears, I think, as you put it, you know, what are some ways to do that? What are some ways you can help women figure out, especially younger women, figure out how to ease their fears? I think a lot of it just comes from early exposure. So at Sinclair, we, the past couple of years, I've been a part of uh, Girl Scout clinics where we bring in uh, younger troops, like between ages, like eight to 10 or eight to 15, even I think we've had right before they get their license. And we have them take a tire off and we rack a car. And one of their first questions they always ask is, can I touch it? <laughs> can I take the wheel off? Can I use the tool? Like what happens if I break it? Or like, I think they're just so afraid of messing up and just the lack of exposure. It makes them shy away from things. So I luckily had my dad who didn't let me shy away from things. And so when the Girl Scouts come in and we get them to do things and they start to do things, they get so excited. Like every single one of them, as soon as, and I tell them, there's nothing you can break that we can't fix. And once they have that like reassurance, like, okay, like we can do this. Like we're allowed to do this. Like it's okay to figure it out. Like I think the younger exposure and the ability for them to actually be in a shop and see how things work. I think that that is the best way to help them get over that fear. Yeah. That exposure from a young age is so important. And I can't, I'm kind of like still caught on the idea that this is the Girl Scouts because when I was in the Girl Scouts, we didn't get to do cool stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> baking and, and doing, you know, kind of a lot of traditional stuff. So is that pretty common in the Girl Scouts? I mean, I don't actually don't know a lot about the Girl Scouts these days, but do you know, is that pretty common? I don't know. We always, I think we have like three or four different troops come in and they just get their automotive badge. So I don't know if it's like a common thing for troops across the United States to do that or if it's just like a Dayton thing, but it's really awesome. Another thing that we've actually done the past couple of years is we do We STEM on campus, which I'm sure you know is women in science, technology, engineering, and math. And Sinclair actually lets us do a session in automotive each year. And so we kind of do the same thing. We usually do a little bit more advanced stuff because they're high schoolers. And so we'll have them take apart smaller engines and they can hold a piston and see how things move. And so again, what, along the lines of just like exposure, knowing that there are people in the industry like them that do that sort of thing and putting that idea in their head that it's an option because a lot of girls I'm sure don't even think that it's an option for them. Exactly. Is it we stem is, is that just everyone in the high school is in the program and then they, they experience different things through that program or do they have to choose to join? I think they have to choose to join. That's how it was when I was in high school. Uh-huh. Oh, what a great program. So you're working with WeSim and Girl Scouts. So is, these are ways for you to connect with the community and kind of bring them in these underrepresented groups and show them these as a career. Well, I was reading an article that you were mentioned in, and it said that according to the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, women buy 62% of new cars sold in the U.S. And they are 50% of the repair market, but they are only holding 17% of car industry jobs and are only 4% of auto technicians and mechanics. 
And I was wondering, is that, do you feel like that's improving or changing at all? It's hard to tell. When I was in the shop, I worked in two different shops. Both times I was the only woman. Both times I never saw another woman as a tech. But being in the education world now, I have noticed an uptick in female students that have come, especially in the past two to three years. So when I was a student, I was the only female that graduated that year. And this last year, I think we had eight or nine female students that graduated with their associates in automotive. So I think we're headed in that direction. I just don't know how it is after school. Because a lot of times what will happen is we'll have female students graduate and they'll move into a service manager role instead of a technician role, which is absolutely fine if that's what they're more comfortable with. And I would say that to a male student as well. But I think that happens a lot more with females because they're kind of like pushed in that direction. So I would like to say, yes, there's definitely been an uptick in our female enrollment, but I'm just not sure how that reflects in the actual shop world yet. Hmm, Interesting. And I guess in your experience where you're working at Sinclair, do you feel like you're getting the applications for jobs? I don't know how many jobs come out, you know, on a regular basis for new positions, but do you feel like you're getting women as applying? Yes. Yeah, so part of our associate's degree program is a required internship and they have to be in a paid position. So they have to be working in a shop. So any of the girls that have graduated with their associates have worked in a shop full like part-time for two years. Like definitely they are working in shops. It just depends on how far down the road they take that. Do you think there's anything employers can do like, if they're getting applications from women, but maybe the women aren't meeting the criteria required for the job, do you think there's anything that employers can do to help to get more women in? Or do you think they should be doing anything to help? So in Dayton, our market is not saturated enough. They're constantly in need of technicians. There are jobs open all the time. And as a tech, because there's no like baseline pay, there's a lot of shop hopping that goes around. So a lot of employers, what they do now for our students is they offer to pay for a toolbox, they offer to pay for their tuition, or they offer to work with their schedule, different things like that that help them get them in the door. I definitely feel like companies are motivated to hire any tech in our area and our students, I don't know, probably can't quote me on this, but I think we're upwards of 90% of our students leave with a job in an automotive shop. So... I definitely think employers are trying to reach out to any student. I don't think it matters what sex. There is motivation there, and I think they're doing what they can. Yeah, a lot of industries facing that right now. Well, according to Carla Baylor, the CEO at the Center for Automotive Research in Ann Arbor, Michigan, she says opportunities for women are increasing and may be a result of the industry becoming more customer-focused, especially around user experience. And leaders are seeing the need to diversify the workforce. I think we're probably like as a community pretty aware of like, you know, diversity and inclusion as something that companies are focusing on more. I'm just wondering, do you think that, you know, it's actually the desire by companies to be more customer focused or is it just an altogether more overall awareness? Or do you think like customer focus on the automotive aspect of things has anything to do with it? I am asked this question a decent amount of times. Really? Yeah. And my answer changes from day to day. And unfortunately, (laughs) I think it depends on my mood sometimes. (laughs) Like if I'm speaking in a sinister negative tone, I think a lot of it is based on marketing and what they can do to make money. I do think that on the positive side of things, as more women work their way up into companies, They want more women underneath of them. They want more women in their company to be a part of it. So I think it's a little bit of both. If they have a more customer-oriented marketing scheme, they're going to make more money. Right. And that is 
probably sinister to say, but at the end of the day, it's America, it's capitalism, it's how they want to make money. So, so it's a lot of both, maybe, but yeah. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's got a lot to do with it. Okay, so you mentioned in your talking points before the show that your failures and your shortcomings had, you know, big impact on your career goals and what you've been able to accomplish. A lot of people don't like talking about their failures and their shortcomings, but we've all got them, right? So I always, I love Sarah Blakely from Spanx, the CEO, founder of Spanx. And she said, trying new things and not being afraid to fail along the way are more important than what you learn in school. And I was just wondering, how do you feel about that? Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So when I left high school, I went to a really small rural school. I think my graduating class was 82 people. And they kind of separated us between like those kids that are higher achieving in their grades are going to go to college and those kids that are lower achieving are going to go into a trade. I was a higher achieving kid. I took all AP classes, sophomore, junior, senior year, graduated with a lot of college credits. So I was just kind of pushed into the idea that I was going to go to school to be an engineer. So I went to the University of Dayton for chemical engineering for two years because I loved chemistry. And just kind of felt like this is what you do as an adult. Like, this is what I've been told my whole life. Like, you're smart. Go to college. Do what you need to do. I went to UD, did a lot of things, spent a lot of money and time I probably shouldn't have spent things on. But overall, I did pretty well, except for when I got to Calc 2. And Calc 2 was one of the first times I took a class that I really struggled and just could not spend enough time, enough effort, could not get it through my head to pass the class. So I ended up taking it twice, failed it both times, and kind of just got so anxious and unsure of myself. And I was just like, had this coming to Jesus moment where I was like, this is not the life I want to live. I don't want to be in an office. I don't want to do these things. So I came home from school, got a job at a parts store, ended up spending a lot more time around the people who thought similar to me, and then ended up going to Sinclair. And you know, thank God for that because I could, I'm still college educated. I have an associate's, I have a bachelor's degree. I'm working on my master's, but it's with the passion and the intent of things that I absolutely love. And if I would not have gone to UD and flunked those classes and figured out like there's more to life than just like being successful or you can be successful in a way that makes you happy, then I wouldn't have discovered like my love and appreciation for all that I have for this trade. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think there's really like a bit of a fallacy in our society that people in trades don't necessarily have an education. It's totally not true. <laughs> Lots of people in trades have higher education and it's all different types of education. Absolutely. Well, I have to ask, what do you drive and what do you do on the side for your own fun as far as automotive? Do you, are you working on anything? Yes. Yeah, so I actually have a 2011 Ford Focus that I just drive as a daily because it gets 28 miles to the gallon and I never want to let it go because it's super fun to drive. But I also just recently bought a 95 GMC 1500 step side pickup with a 5.7 liter. So it's a V8 and it's only got 60,000 miles on it. The body is super clean. I bought it because the clear coat of the paint is like going away and I want to teach myself how to vinyl wrap it. Ooh. So it's a skill like I've never learned before. We don't have any body shop classes here at school. So it's just something I want to learn how to do. I want to get a set of wheels for it. And eventually, if I put enough miles on it, then I kind of want to LS swap it and make it really fast. So that is what I'm working on the side right now. In my very, I'm sure you know, little free time. 
<laughs> so is the vinyl wrapping, is that like, well, so for women in trucking, when we decorate, we have this trailer, it's called the Whitney trailer and it's like a traveling exhibit to get women into the trucking industry and show them about the industry. And on the side, we have like a huge you know, mural basically. And it was done. Is that, a, is that what a vinyl wrap is? So kind of, so on cars, you can paint or you can wrap. So a vinyl wrap is you clean the surface and then it literally is just like, I don't know if you've ever seen a cricket. Like, you know how you can make, like, cut out vinyl designs and then uh-huh. you make your surface really clean and then put it on there? It's basically like doing that with large sheets of vinyl for an entire car. Okay. <laughs> you can wrap it in whatever color you want. What, so what are you going to put on your truck? Yeah, so it's a terrible green right now from the 90s that GM had. It's horrible. But I want to wrap it with black metallic with a copper flake and then I want to put bronze wheels on it oh my gosh I can't wait to see this yes give me like a year because it takes money and time but I am excited about it oh awesome well I'll be keeping an eye out for that well Hannah Weaver teaching certified master technician thank you so much for joining us today on the hazard girls podcast it's been so inspiring to hear about your journey and just everything that you're striving for and that you've accomplished so far it's It's awesome. And we can't wait to just watch your career grow. You're only 25 years old. You've got so much ahead of you. So we really look forward to that. I just want to say thank you for having me and discovering your network and listening to your podcast. I really appreciate it because even though I don't have any female coworkers, I feel like with the network of females that you have created between all of us, it definitely is. It's just a good feeling to know that there's a lot of us out there with similar experiences. So true. And that's why we're here. Thanks, Hannah. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.